Hey girl, welcome to the What A Mouthful podcast. I'm your host, Dee. I'm a qualified nutritionist, personal trainer, mindset speaker, and my favorite of all, I'm a mum. Living your best life doesn't have to be a grind, and I'm going to show you how to achieve a healthy mind and body. And if this episode speaks to you, give a sister a five-star review. This episode is dedicated to my prior self when I was about 18 years old and I could not figure out why I went from pretty much clear skin to pizza face in a matter of weeks and it was thank you to my HSC, thank you so much to Stress. Just want a quick shout out to Stress for making you 12 really confusing. Okay, so this episode is all about how to get healthy, glowing skin. Now I'm the first person to tell you, you will not have perfect skin your whole life every single day. We ebb and flow. We're going to have some days where our skin doesn't look as good. Obviously, hormonal changes and fluctuations are also going to make a huge impact on your skin as well. Some women, even with irregular periods, will fly through. Their skin will be perfect their whole life, and they are just lucky. They have good genes when it comes to skin. Look, I'm sure it all evens out in the end. I'm sure we have some things that, you know, they don't get. Um, but speaking from a person who has suffered with hormonal acne and then just like, not great skin as well, because they're two separate things. I will say that the way to get clear skin really starts from within. Okay. And it can, you can have bad skin and you can have hormonal acne on top of bad skin, but you can also have like kind of good skin and then also have hormonal acne. It's like an onion. Okay. There are layers and I'm going to share with you just what is the basic foundation? You know, I love the word foundations. I love, you know, keeping it simple. Let's start with the basics. And I know a lot of people I know, like you guys have been inboxing me and DMing me and asking me, can I talk about hormonal acne? And I absolutely will, but I want to wait for a specific guest to come on just so we can bounce off each other and give you an absolutely epic episode for that specifically. But we have to start where it all begins. And that is all about that foundation of skin. So like, what is the integrity of your skin like? Do you have good skin health? Because getting healthy, glowing skin is all about skin health. And obviously your skin wraps around you. So if you are not healthy, do you think the skin on the outside of you is going to be healthy? Just doesn't make any sense. So if I rewind back to... 18 year old me, very confused, actually 17 when I started my HSC, Um, I would be thinking to myself, okay, what do I need to eat? How does my life actually affect my skin? What products do I take? And all that sort of stuff. Now I'm not going to go into products as in like skincare ranges and things like that. And I will say I'm not a corneotherapist. I'm not a dermatologist, but this is coming from a holistic point of view, knowing that I can't really talk about health without talking about how it affects your skin. And so I'm going to use my knowledge and everything in my toolkit to be able to give you a bit of an insight so that if you do approach a dermatologist, a corneotherapist, you can kind of already come to them and say, hey, I've done all these basic things and I've already ticked off all of these. Here's what's left over. Can you fix or help me fix what's left over? Because I just really don't think that you should be walking around giving specialists all of the power to fix you. I don't think it's their responsibility, okay? It's about getting educated, understanding your own body and doing the best that you can with the tools that you have at the time that you have them. And then once you have approached, you know, maybe a three month mark, which I think is a good 
kind of it's a good amount of time then go and approach them and say hey look I really need your help personally that's how I would do it and I really hope that you would think that it would be the same like it is our responsibility to look after our health I'm also going to share with you my totally never talked about tip that improved my skin so much and I know if you work out a lot you will really appreciate it so look you got to think about it like this are you eating your way to bad skin because it is possible to do that which means happy days that the reverse is also true so we can actually eat our way to better skin and like I said before our skin is so affected by hormonal balance and you'll notice when you're overall more healthy and you're less inflamed that your skin actually is less reactive to hormonal changes almost like it has stronger resilience and that's because it can recover and heal a lot quicker and you can just kind of weather the storm a little bit better when your overall skin health is 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 better So this episode is all about how to have better skin all month long, because it's essentially the how-to for full body health, right? It's the same principles. There are slight differences, but they're largely they're the same principles. And the treatment, I should say, is really the same. You've got to remember that when your body has enough nutrients for all of your other organs and all of your other systems, only then will it afford to be able to send any sort of spare nutrients to the skin because the skin is a less vital organ albeit one of the biggest but it's a less vital organ so your body's going to send nutrients to your brain first your heart making sure that those things are working first and foremost they're being taken care of and then things like your digestive system um, and then things like your skin it's not the first thing so if you see somebody who is just looking glowy their nails are long their hair looks lovely their skin you know you can tell that those people are honestly brimming with nutrients thinking of it like a cup is overflowing that's how you kind of got to imagine it like i'm such a visual person i just think to myself okay if there was a cup this cup is overflowing it's so full this person is so full of nutrients and then when people are looking tired dull dry even wrinkly that is a sign to me that something is taking up a lot of those nutrients or that person is not putting them in so things that could take up nutrients things like you know stress but it could also be pathogens like so bad guys living in your body maybe your body's fighting something off your immune system is taking up a lot of nutrients because you've got a parasite or a virus or something like that and i always find that when people sit in front of me and i used to do this with my one-on-one clients all the time although i don't do one-on-one anymore before they even open their mouth i used to say this has been a good month for you hasn't it And I could always tell because I can literally see it in their skin and you'd be able to see it in the skin, in your skin. Like every time you look in a mirror, you'd be able to look at yourself and go, well, I don't know how to explain it, but I just look well at the moment. And that's that luminosity. It's that, you know, your, maybe your pores have tightened up. I'm not, I'm not saying this specifically in terms of like appearance, I'm saying the appearance is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. So I'm not saying, oh, this person used a really great toner and now their pores are tiny. No, I'm talking about the pores on your skin are very much like the cells that line your gut. And when the cells that line your gut are what we call leaky, so you have some level of leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability, then it tends to reflect in your face. 
Also, the same can be said for your brain. So if the cells in your gut are leaky, and you might've heard the word or the phrase tight junctions before. So when the cells of the gut lining, like the gut wall start to separate a little bit, I kind of imagine it like, you know, a row of rocks. So if there's gaps in between a, a row of rocks, then it's leaky. So if you poured water over that line of rocks, then all the water would go into the ground. But if you have those rocks all stacked up one like one behind the other, I mean, I should have just used the, the analogy of bricks, right? It's essentially like the bricks in a house. So, but the thing is, I don't really know what you put in the middle of the bricks. <laughs> Cement? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Clearly not a builder, but it's much the same principle. So you've just got gaps between them. And then so those gaps can show up on your face as open pores. And then those gaps can also occur in your brain and it's a phenomenon called leaky brain and it just makes means that the function of these organs that i just mentioned are just not working as effectively as possible and the body's probably sending your brain alarm signals like okay this is not right things are loosening up here what's going on let's go find a pathogen or something that's going wrong let's give her some symptoms to shout to her and say hey i don't like what you're doing maybe you're not eating enough vegetables or nutrients so your body will try to talk to you through your symptoms okay as well so make sure you listen up because it'll also talk to you you know in terms of your skin and things that you might notice with your skin are things like i said you know you got dry skin it's flaky it just looks dull like if it doesn't look pinky and sometimes you can look a little bit blue um a little bit greeny or yellowy like those things those colors i guess are not what we're aiming for we want to look a little bit pinky because that that pinkness in our face is signaling that we're getting enough circulation to our face and what's real close to our face our brain so we definitely want to make sure there's a lot of blood going there because where blood goes energy flows and if we do not have a lot of blood in our face and our brain well my friends you're probably having conversations where you forget what you say every three seconds so anyway basically your body can afford to like withhold those nutrients that your skin actually needs if those nutrients can be better utilized for a more uh, survival organ, like an organ that requires, um, requires, you know, it to be functioning for you to survive. So your skin is usually a good indicator of general health. But if your skin specifically is breaking out without a cyclical pattern. So like I said, hormonal acne is a separate thing. I'm talking about if your skin is just generally angry and inflamed, like it's just generally red, it's generally sensitive, it's generally dry. Um, it might be exacerbated by your hormones, but even without hormonal fluctuations, it, it is still doesn't look like it's happy. It looks a bit angry and upset and swollen and inflamed. Um, then this episode is just definitely for you. And does it look you know dull? Does it look rough? These can be all signs that, you know, your necessary pathways within are not working as effectively as they could. And you may have consulted a professional, like a skin therapist, a doctor, like I said, a dermatologist, a corneotherapist. And generally doctors will say that you just basically have adult acne and you get whacked with a prescription for an antibiotic like doxycycline or roaccutane. I've been on both. Um, and minamycin, which I'm pretty sure is different to doxycycline. And let me tell you, they did nothing but destroy my gut and my liver. And now my detoxification system is kind of permanently 
sluggish, (laughs) but I did have to learn my lesson. It's not like I regret doing that. I definitely had to learn. And so now I can sort of help, you know, help you if you're going through that. And look, I know it's unsightly, you know, it's, it's really hard to feel confident in your everyday and in your life in general, when you have, I'm going to say bad skin, you know, is there a good and bad? No, your body's just saying that it's a bit upset. It's a bit cranky with you, but let's just, just, just use the word bad skin. I don't want to give it a label like you, you have bad skin. Um, but let's just, let's just use that. Just bear with me so I can, so I can explain this to you in an easy way. So yeah, I just wanted to sort of recognize that it is just not easy. Like I personally remember I never got in photos. If you go to my Instagram and you look at my highlights and you click on my story highlights, you'll actually see how bad my skin was at one stage. And it was a very tricky time in terms of my confidence, my self-confidence. And regardless of the fact that I'm smart and I'm brave and I'm, you know, I'm reflective and I really care and all those lovely, great qualities about you and I, regardless of all of those things that we have and that I had and have, (laughs) I still hope I have it now, your skin can just be something that is just so deflating, you know, and not wanting to be in photos, not wanting to show up not wanting to go to the event because you have, you know, issues around, you don't want to talk to people. You don't want to be in photos. You don't want to get caught off guard. You don't want your makeup to slide. You don't want to go to a sweaty place because, you know, again, your makeup might come off. And I mean, if we really think about it, it is a very hard situation to be in. And I guess, you know, I just wanted to say how you feel is totally valid. It is 100% valid. You are okay. And it is okay to feel bad if you feel as though your skin is, is lessening your confidence. It is okay. Don't let people say, yeah, but this, but that, but that, you know, you've got this going for you. It's like, uh, I know, you know, you know that you have that going for you, but take it from somebody who had bad skin. It is just really tricky. And there's really just no other way to go about it. And I do think back to when I did have sort of bad skin and I, and I look at my skin now, my skin now is chalk and cheese. It is totally different to how it used to be. And I really think that a main reason for that is getting clear on what was actually going on for my body, which I think is very much what's going on for almost every female's body out there. Um, I really think that it's a detoxification issue largely. I think that, you know, you hear you are what you eat and that's extremely relevant when it comes to your skin. But in fact, your skin is more of a you are what you excrete situation. And so the liver and the gut are both elimination organs. So you need to be making sure that your detoxification system, again, which is your liver and your gut, they're both part of that detoxification system, that you're getting rid of any excess junk and making sure that that actually exits and the rest, you know, if those two are occupied and they're busy looking after other toxins, then your skin is the next exit pathway. So when it starts to come out of your skin, when toxins start to come out of your skin, you know, okay, wow, my liver is clogged up and my gut is clogged up. So those, my friends, would be the very first place that I would start. I'm going to talk about eczema 
in another episode. Um, it was specifically on my hands and there's like so little information out there about this, but I am going to say that, package it up, put it away, dizzle, don't go on a tangent, just stay with face skin for right now. Um, yeah, because it, because essentially it's just like, it's just another example of how when you are healthy from within your skin changes on the outside and it burns me to see when you know when you go through the shopping center and then you go to the health food store or you just go to you know mecca or sephora not that they're bad places to go but you're just searching for an out there fix and that out there fix might tame it a little bit from the outside sure and you might get really good advice and it might help from the outside but you have to remember it is mostly an inside game again healthy skin comes from within so We're just really going to cover some skin foundations. Of course, like I said, hormonal health definitely influences your skin, like in terms of the bounce, the moisture, if you have breakouts, but you have to have good skin health first. So then that way, if you do get hormonal acne, your skin can be just that little bit quicker to just normalize. It has more resilience. So let's get into some skin facts. Is this a D-dive? I don't know. I feel like this is, it's not that nerdy. Okay. We're just going to go real quick into the science. So with, in terms of skin, your skin is one of your body's largest organs. It actually makes up 10% of your weight. And Lord help me if anyone, if you are, oof, if you are thinking I'm going to shave, up, shave off some skin to lose some weight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, I, I even thought that I was like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if someone will go, oh, maybe I'll just um, remove some skin and then I'll lose some weight. No, <laughs> don't think like that. Its role is to keep toxins out. So it wants to push toxins out through it. And it usually happens with sweat, which brings me to a point while it's protecting you by doing that, by pushing toxins out. So we've got to remember, this is basically a detoxification issue episode. You better be hydrating it because if it's pushing it out, mostly through sweat, you've got to make sure that if your body is doing that and helping you by pushing it out, you better be hydrating it. And I would like you to hydrate it with water that is as pure as you have access to. So if the purest water that you have access to is tap water, so be it. I would choose something like even like a Brita filter can be really helpful. I'm yet to invest in something like a structured water, alkalizer, mineral infusing like purifier, water purifier. Um, I still want to read the research on that. I, I, I definitely know very smart people very smart people who swear by it. And then I, I also know very smart people who, who let's just say they, they don't see the value in it. So I, I feel like I'm sort of half and half on that, but like, I really do think at the very minimum, you need to be filtering things like chlorine and fluoride out of your water. And I do remember somebody telling me this horrendously weird and disgusting <laughs> fact that when women are on the pill, like, you know, any kind of pill, like hormonal contraception kind of pill, like the, I don't even know, I'm going to butcher this explanation, but something along the lines of the, what the urine excretes then goes back into our waterways and actually doesn't have the ability to be filtered out. And I remember someone saying to me, you're drinking like post pill, you know, excretion, in your tap water and I was like I don't even know if that's true but it's enough to scare me 
to scare me to make sure that I only ever drink at least slightly purified water. Like if I'm really in a pickle, sure, I'll have tap water. But if I'm dead honest, sometimes I will go thirsty until I get home because I'm like, rather than putting that toxic crap into my body, knowing how long my journey has been trying to detox myself after all these years, I'm like, that is just not worth it for me. I don't ever want to go back there. And so sometimes, yeah, I'll just go, I'll go thirsty for, you know, an hour or two just to make sure I can get home and then use my own water filter. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. When we think about things like acne, psoriasis, rashes, which I'm going to talk about in that future episode, eczema, which I'm going to talk about in that future episode, and rosacea, they're usually caused by two main things. So this is, I literally just covered this, um, but let's just go through it anyway. The first thing is gut dysfunction, and it's because your skin and your gut are undeniably linked. And they're actually linked through something that has a name. It's called the gut-skin axis. And the research shows that underlying gut dysfunctions like leaky gut that I mentioned before, yeast overgrowth, candida being one of those real nasty yeast overgrowths, mold also being a yeast overgrowth, um, SIBO, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and any kind of microbiome imbalance or any kind of, you know, it's called dysbiosis where you have like too many bad guys and not enough good guys. All of those will contribute to making your skin health worse. And that is linked with immunity, right? Because we just mentioned like the gut. So the, the gut is the seat of our immunity. That is where 70% of our immune cells are made. And so if we think about that, how strongly tied it is with our immunity and our immunity is actually compromised when we're nutrient deficient then that means that we just need to boost our nutrient intake essentially to buffer all of those effects to improve our you know our dysbiosis to therefore improve that gut skin access and again with all we're going back to is just general normal principles of just like eat more nutrients because that effectively will help your skin And the other thing that it's most often caused by is sluggish detoxification, especially from the liver. Now, sluggish detoxification, your gut is still part of your detoxification system, but it is also its own process. It's its own pathway as well. Again, our whole body is like totally interconnected. So can you really separate things and systems in the body? Not really, but let's just say for argument's sake, we're basically looking at the liver and the gut. And both of those are part of the detoxification system. When we think of the detoxification system, we're mostly thinking of the liver. So it's largely the liver that's doing all the hard yards, but sometimes the gut can undo what the liver did. And that is why gut is also technically part of the detoxification system. According to me, by the way, according to me. Okay. So if you have any of the symptoms that I have mentioned in this episode so far, Here's my best tips, okay? So I'm gonna just give you a few like general tips and then I'm gonna give you specific nutrients. So if you've got a pad and pen, my friends, you write this down. So first of all is general tips, avoid skin destroying foods. Sugar, honestly, is like a skin destroying food. I'm not talking about your, you know, two and five, like your two fruits, five veg, because by the way, fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates. And by the way, they both have sugar in them because carbohydrates break down to sugar. So it's still going to be simple sugars at the end of the day. But I'm not really talking about those. Okay, so fruits and vegetables are super high in nutrients. They're not going to be your skin destroyers. Your skin destroyers are going to be things like anything that is, you know, a pastry, a donut, 
Um, anything that is super starchy as well, like, you know, I mean, I guess I said pastry anyway, but I'm thinking like croissants for breakfast, even to an extent, sometimes bread, but it just depends on the person. Some people are super sensitive to certain things in bread. Like there's a lot to go into when it comes to bread, but if you have bread every single day, then, and you have also bad skin and the rest of your diet is pretty good, then that could possibly potentially be a source of something going on for you. This is not to say, Hey, let's cancel bread. I'm just saying if you are in that specific situation, cause that was actually me to be fair. Uh, and gluten. So gluten also increases gut permeability, even in people who aren't celiac. And this was a 2015 uh, article in Nutrients, in the journal Nutrients. And it said increased intestinal permeability after gliadin, which is gluten, exposure, well, it's the gluten in bread, occurs in all individuals. Um, and even though some, some earlier studies said that that wasn't the case, in 2015, they basically said, no, this is the case. So if you do have any kind of gut feeling, <laughs> gut feeling, what a pun, then, oh, sorry, any gut feeling, I just, got, I just got distracted by my own joke, that you do have any sort of gluten sensitivity and you have had a, a test and like a blood test and the doctor said, yep, that, that has come back negative and that's a celiac test, which you're looking for um, antibodies. Then if you do have a gut feeling, even if there's no diagnosis that you can go off, then trust your body. Like your body will tell you if it's got an issue, maybe not instantly. So usually with celiac, if you, let's just say you had gluten, let's just say you had, you know, a piece of bread that like a sourdough piece of bread, usually sourdough is not too bad, but let's just say, for example, let's just use sourdough. A person who is celiac will probably have an instant reaction. And then a person who is food sensitive will have a delayed reaction. Now, interestingly, I used to work with a lot of people with food sensitivities and that reaction can actually be something like a headache the next day. So it doesn't always mean, it's not even just maybe even a couple of hours after. Sometimes it can be a whole week where you have issues and just kind of little niggly things that you can't really explain really could be food sensitivities. It's just funny. I'm thinking of the number of people that are like, let's go get a food sensitivity test. And like, oh my God, it's food sensitivity. (laughs) I don't want to like, I don't want to make you like crazy pedantic about things because again, it is simple. It is simple. The the basics will always get you 90% of the way. I I think I I truly do from what I've seen and from what I I know, it's 90% going to get you where, where you need to go. If you just do the basic things, just repeat, rinse and repeat the stuff that works, the stuff we've been taught forever, eat your healthy food, move your body and reduce your stress, focus on your mindset. Oh my God, would you look at that again? My three pillars of health. Stop it. I told you everything comes back to that. Okay. Um, my next kind of important thing as well. So third general tip is know your sensitivities so you can avoid them while you're healing. I don't really like elimination diets, so I don't I don't usually like to get around the mindset of you're cutting these foods out. But what you're just doing is you're just saying see you soon to those foods so that you can heal. And then once you've healed, which usually again takes a couple of months, you know, you'll start to see some small improvements straight away. Um, and if you do start to see some small improvements straight away when you do Let's say you identify dairy in a test, which is probably one of the most common. Let's say you identify dairy in a test, in a food sensitivity test, also sometimes called a food intolerance test, but that's not technically the right word to use for that because you're not intolerant, you're just sensitive. So dairy comes up, 
you eliminate dairy and then in that week you suddenly nothing else changes and you suddenly feel a lot better that's a pretty good indication that it was obviously affecting you more than you realized but the thing is if you don't in that time period where you're starting to feel better if you don't heal your body at the same time and reduce that inflammation while you have the opportunity then what will happen is over time you'll actually just rotate to a different food sensitivity because the underlying problem which is leaky gut syndrome is still there right i hope that makes sense like i always say if you have any questions always just reach out to me and ask me through my instagram at dsavara so i was actually one of those people um, and you might want to be might be one of those people with no symptoms and you might do a food sensitivity test to find out but yeah i was definitely one of those people who i was sensitive to gluten i was sensitive to dairy and those were not like surprises to me like i kind of knew that i was sensitive to them anyway and that is why generally i don't have them in my diet but doesn't mean i never have them in my diet i certainly do but the way that i like to gauge when is a good time to have more dairy and more gluten is depending on how stressed I am. So I didn't want to make this episode all about leaky gut syndrome, but let's go back there for a second. The more stressed you are, the more likely you are to have leaky gut. And again, it's called test intestinal permeability. So if you're stressed all the time, the chances of you having leaky gut are high. And then the chances of you having antibodies to food, AKA food sensitivities, also sometimes called food intolerances, is then increased. So then all of a sudden there's all these foods that you can't eat that, that create an irritation to your body because it creates a stress for your body. So by reducing that stress and at times in your life when you're not as stressed, that's when you're, you should be good to go, especially if you've already gone through a process of healing and you kind of know how to do that with your body. And so that's how I live my life. So I think if I've been super stressed, and I've gone through like a really busy period, then I think to myself, oh, I, I probably should steer clear of gluten and dairy for now. And then at times where I'm like, like say I'm on holiday, like I can tolerate it when I'm on holiday, I'm good. And it doesn't really affect me. And, and honestly, it, it hardly affects me if I'm honest. It really hardly affects me at the moment. And it's just because I've built up so much insurance, daily insurance on my health. Every single day I put good things in, I get bad stuff out. And that pays off for me when I do have, you know, a few days maybe where I eat gluten or there's leftover birthday cake and I eat cheesecake three days in a row. Like it doesn't affect me like it did before. I used to have one serving of dairy, like one serving of yoga. And the next day my sinuses would be so bad. I would be so blocked up. It was insane. And finally, my general tip is encourage collagen production. So I actually take this stuff directly, like I'm like straight to the source uh, in the form of collagen powders and collagen protein powders. So collagen itself is actually a protein. It's made from glycine, proline and hydroxyproline. Those are three amino acids that you don't need to know the names of, but just because we're here. Um, and it creates a more youthful look. And when I delve into the nutrients below, I'm going to show you how you can support the production of collagen and with other nutrients as well. So Going straight to the source is good, but then also using other nutrients that you need for collagen is, is a great idea because you're just, you know, you're hitting it from two angles. Okay, so here's the five nutrients specifically. So we just went over general tips. Let's go to the five specific nutrients. Vitamin A. So vitamin A keeps your skin looking fresh because it actually helps make new skin cells. It helps them grow. It removes old ones. It keeps your skin strong, less likely to scar. And you'll find vitamin a in products called retinol so what foods do you find vitamin a in liver 
eggs, butter, carrot, sweet potato, pumpkin, cooked spinach, red capsicum, and mangoes. So vitamin A, you're thinking red and yellow foods mostly. Vitamin C, red, yellow, and orange, I should say, because there are, you know, (laughs) I mean, sweet potato and pumpkin and orange, but red, yellow, orange, a little bit of green, right? So we're thinking first half of the rainbow. Vitamin C, this is, this is nutrient number two. Vitamin C helps to reverse skin damage and stress damage, right? Stress damage because it's a powerful antioxidant and that means it's good for anti-aging. So it's essential for collagen production. Like I just mentioned before, this is one of those nutrients that you need for collagen production to support it. It helps you have actually bouncier skin, which is awesome. We want bouncy skin (laughs) Um, and wound healing. I'm just, I get such weird, I say things, I get such weird visuals in my head. Like I'm thinking of like a small person jumping off my face like a trampoline. Who am I for real? (laughs) Did I get enough sleep? Um, And also vitamin C also helps with acne scarring, which is sometimes why you'll have, you know, dermatologists or skin therapists or whatever, you know, recommend that you use like a vitamin C serum on your skin. So what foods do you find it in? Citrus fruits, green leafy vegetables, papaya, kiwi fruit, blackberries, capsicum, tomatoes, strawberries, onions, onions, oranges, broccoli, and kale. Um, so those, again, you're thinking first half of the rainbow. Now, yes, antioxidants are very high in berries, true. But when it comes to skin, first half of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green. Um, all right. And zinc. Okay. So essential for health in so many ways. I'm just going to try and run through this as fast as I can. Cause for this little section, I actually wrote notes. So zinc normalizes your oil production on the skin, but in a different way to vitamin A. So because it reduces a really nasty type of testosterone. Okay, so we're thinking androgens, it's called DHT, it's a nasty form of testosterone. And that's the the form of testosterone that PCOS sufferers tend to make in higher amounts. And we make testosterone in higher amounts anyway, but over time we get zinc deficient and then over time our testosterone gets even more potent because this conversion happens that we don't want to happen to this really kind of toxic form of testosterone. It's also the same, I don't want to go on a tangent, but it's also the same form of um, testosterone that causes male pattern baldness in men and then in women, the same thing as well. So if you're starting to lose your hair, then I would definitely be looking into obviously overall making sure that you're well and healthy and not inflamed and not stressed, but then as well supplement with something like zinc because it'll stop that conversion to that toxic form of testosterone. It helps with wound repair and immunity. And after being sick, it kind of explains why your body might be a little bit drained. So if you've been sick and then all of a sudden you have a breakout, that makes sense because your body has been using up your zinc so intensely to help you with your immune system. It's also antibacterial. Amazing. We love that. It tightens pores because it loves closing the gap between other cells the same way it does in the gut for any leaky gut sufferers, which I already talked about before. It supports our thyroid. It is essential for our thyroid health, which actually means that it boosts our metabolism, which, you know, from our metabolism episode um, that I will link in the show notes, that more regular poops are what we're kind of looking for. So that's a really easy way for us to be able to kind of get a gauge of what's my metabolism like? How's it doing? So if you're pooping regularly, that's a pretty good sign, pretty, I would say pretty reliable sign that your metabolism is, is, is humming along well. And I do really want to go into a a poop episode. I actually screenshot something and I was going to upload it on Instagram. And it was so funny because at the bottom, it was like, it said something about poo. (laughs) 
And I went to, I was so close. Not that I care. I mean, I talk about poo and periods all day long, but I was so close to uploading it and I just thought, oh, it just says the word poo. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm so immature with the word poo. Billy thinks everything is like, every time I say poo, she just, oh, she cracks up. What is it with children and poo, honestly? Okay, where can we find zinc? What foods? Seafood, red meat, chicken, pumpkin seeds, almonds, cashews, and chickpeas. So this is more like our, you know, lean proteins um, and then kind of like more our, our white and earthy colored foods as well. And finally, omega-3 fatty acids. So essential fatty acids are labeled essential because the only way that we actually get them in our bodies through our diet, our body cannot make it on its own, but it can take ALA, which is like a vegan form of omega-3s, and it can then create EPA and DHA, which are our um, omega-3 fatty acids from that. But still, we still need them to come from our diet. Um, Essential fatty acids help dampen inflammation, and they support the strength and the quality of our cell skin because they are actually the, the skin barrier for our cells. They, they are our, every single cell's barrier, um, which is very important to know. And fatty acids are what truly gives us that plump hydrated look. So if you suffer from dry skin, like I said, any type of eczema, make sure you're absorbing your fatty acids well. And do you want to know how to do that? With good bile, which comes from good liver detoxification. So it just circles back. So what foods can we find omega-3 fatty acids in? Salmon, mackerel, most fish, but those two are really high. Chia seeds, so there's some um, vegan forms. Chia seeds, flax seeds, and walnuts. Very high in that ALA that I was just talking about before. And then this is not really like a specific nutrient. It's, it's kind of somewhere between a macronutrient and a micronutrient, but fiber as well. So the final nutrient is not, it's not really a vitamin. It's not min, really a mineral, but it is fiber. So fiber is the best found from vegetable sources and fruit as well. But having a high fiber diet actually helps improve our gut microbiome because it's our bug's favorite food. And our microbiome is made up of millions of different bacteria, some good, some bad. And when you consume lots of super sweet, additive filled, store-bought food, excess caffeine or excess alcohol, then we're actually encouraging the growth of those bad guys. And they absolutely love sugar. And then they make us crave it. I'm going to go into cravings in another episode. And boy, I cannot wait for that. Um, That's going to be epic. And an angry gut also means higher inflammation because our gut is literally the seat of our immune system. And inflammation is a response that belongs to the immune system. So just get your extra veggies, which means extra fiber, which means encouraging your good guys and supporting your healthy microbiome shows up in your skin. Healthier gut also means better digestion. So that's like the breakdown of our food parts and the absorption, which is different to digestion, which is the delivery into your cells of nutrients. And then plus obviously has the benefit of enhancing our skin appearance via reduced inflammation. So it's like, it's funny. It's people think, you know, just topical, topical, topical. It's like, no, 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 inside out, (laughs) inside out. Um, There are a couple of supplements that I recommend you try. I think would be really cool um, that I specifically like. Um, BioBlend Skin Nutrition. um, That's, I think, Dr. Libby's brand. And then the Beauty Chef, I think, clarifies the one that you want to go for because it's got broccoli sprout in it. So anything that's like really supportive of the liver is going to be a quick win. And you can buy both of those over the counter. 
Now, as we do every week, we're going to get a question from the community. And this question comes from Abby from Newcastle. And she asks, what are the best foods to eat for hormones and for skin? And it's a loaded question because it depends on your hormonal imbalances, right? So sometimes you can have high estrogen, sometimes low estrogen, sometimes high testosterone, sometimes low testosterone, um, low progesterone. And so it really depends on your hormonal imbalances. B, there is an art to the macro combinations for balancing blood sugar and insulin, which again can be a real underlying cause of why skin breaks out. But that is, you know, it's that's very hormonally centered. And I'll delve into that in the hormonal skin episode. And C, there's micronutrients that help in the making and the clearing of sex hormones specifically. So it's just best to increase the volumes of certain foods for their um, micronutrient value at different times of your cycle. And rather than me listing them all off now to you, at the end of this episode, um, Abby, here is what you can do. And anyone else who wants it, you can DM me the word or one word shopping list through my Instagram. I'll send you through the exact list. Well, the D-bot will send you through the exact list that actually helped me heal from PCOS. It was really my step one. Uh, And as a result, I seriously upgraded my skin. I can't tell you, like, go and look at that photo on my Instagram and my highlight reel. You'll be like, who is that? Not all PCOS sufferers get bad skin. Most of us do. And it was certainly the one symptom that caused me the biggest mental toll. Like, really? I wish I didn't feel it, but I did. I felt, I felt like kind of dirty. I don't want to say the word ugly, but I just, I don't know. I just, it, it looked unsightly, you know, it's seriously hard to love yourself when you look in the mirror and all you can see is red, angry, inflamed pimples. Honestly, there are women out there definitely that just, they don't give a fuck. And people honestly like that, I just, I think I salute you. You are awesome. I bow down to them because my friends, that is true inner peace and confidence. So with that in mind, let's just recap because there are a couple of things that I also want to touch on just so you have like a bit of a, okay, I've listened to this episode. I know what to do. Okay. So how do we improve our skin health in general? So one that we spoke about include skin healthy foods. So again, first half of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, and avoid skin destroyers, mostly sugar. Two, drink lots of water. You have to stay hydrated. Our body is 70% water, so we kind of need it. And again, you're going to push out any toxins out through the skin. So you need to replenish that water. Three, you've got to move your body to clear the junk. So we're talking lymphatic system. You've got to make sure that your blood is helping to circulate your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system will collect the junk. And the only way you can get it out is when you have good circulation. So you've got to move your body for that circulation. And then you want to avoid the retoxing by making sure that anything you put on your skin or in your mouth is low tox as possible. So that includes like cleanse and moisturize your skin with low tox ingredients. Try to avoid irritants, including your makeup. Okay. Skincare and makeup. You can also try my detox tea as well. I just think that's a really nice way to have like a really ritualistic, slow paced stress reducing, which is also going to help with better skin way to start your day and it's a gentle detoxification caution if you're pregnant but if you're not that would be a really nice addition to your morning routine i would have it first thing on an empty stomach i would also add while you're moving your body match your skincare routine to your training schedule so this is the tip i was talking about i never hear anybody talking about when to cleanse your skin so this is my issue right 
obviously my schedule has changed so much with Billy. Like ever since I had Billy, I was like, oh, normally I would wake up in the morning, I would go straight to the gym and then I would start my day, cleanse my face in the shower, eat my breakfast, go to work, right? I don't have that luxury uh, anymore. Yes, I did choose to have children. However, I still consider it a luxury. Okay, let me have it. And now in the morning, my schedule obviously totally revolves around Billy. So if it's a school day for Billy, obviously I'm there. So Gus is at work early in the morning. I have to be there with her. I can't go to the gym necessarily. I would always prefer to go to the gym than do a home workout personally. I just, I like to be in that environment. I'm in my house all the time. Like I don't want to be in my house more than I need to be. Some people love home workouts and actually through lockdown, I killed them and I really found a love for them. But now that I can enter a gym again, I like to go to the gym. I love to use their cool contraptions and like mix it up for myself, keep it fresh. But now I have to show up in the day, go take Billy to school, and then I go to the gym after that. But actually what I decided to do so that my skin, I literally like, you know how, you know how women and you'll probably do this too. You know how you revolve your entire day around or a week around washing your hair. This is like what I do with the gym. So like I revolve my entire gym schedule now, my training schedule around washing my face (laughs) pretty much. And what I'll do now is I wash my face first thing in the morning, do my stuff, take Billy to school. I do a couple of hours of work then. And then kind of midday so that I can have a break, I actually go to the gym then. And then once I get home after I pick up Billy, which is only like, you know, about an hour, two hours after that, then I like wash my face again, kind of like for the night. Um, That's only if I have a super sweaty workout. Sometimes I don't sweat that much. So it's, you know, I'll just like rinse my face otherwise but sometimes I'll get like those little like bumpy pimples like lining along the top of my forehead and I'm like oh yeah I know that that is from gym sweat so see what works for you that's what works for me personally but see what works for you and fourth is manage your stress and improve your sleep while you're sleeping you can use things like silk pillows and silk eye masks and number five is I would say that a dermatologist would probably say use sunscreen So I'm just going to say use sunscreen, but I actually, I'll admit it. I don't actually use sunscreen. I I know it's a good way to protect your skin from UV rays. I'm well aware of the fact that it can damage and age your skin. I just think because I've been so healthy and I've been a little bit slack with it, I haven't noticed um, like sunspots or like, you know, lots of wrinkles as a result of specifically not using sunscreen. Although, you know, maybe had I used sunscreen religiously, I wouldn't, you know, have any wrinkles. Who knows? because I've been so healthy most of my life. Um, But if you do want to kind of delve into what sunscreen would be great, then the Environmental Working Group, so ewg.org, they have a little article called The Trouble with Ingredients in Sunscreen. So they just list off a couple of things like um, oxybenzone, um, homosalate, I think it's pronounced, and octocrylene, which are kind of the chemicals that you don't want in your sunscreen that are typically in like most sunscreens that you'll find in the grocery store. So I would urge you to go have a look at that go research that if you're interested in like what kind of sunscreens are as chemical, low chemical as possible, low tox as possible so that you can use the sunscreen, but not toxify your body. I hope you loved this episode. Please send it and share it with anybody that you know that is just suffering that low confidence from their skin especially if you're a gym goer, somebody who wants to get that just general skin health. And especially if you're somebody who 
you do all the right things, but you still, this is like that last piece of the puzzle. You're like, why is my skin not reflecting how healthy I am or feel I am from the inside out? So there's a couple of things that you can look for. I will see you guys next week. If anything in this episode sparked a question for you, please reach out to me on Instagram at dzabara. You're a legend and legends leave five-star reviews. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on What a Mouthful.